Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Back <laughs> to uh, Midwest, Midwest Madness. Madness. Ooh, that was good. Your true crime. Cryptid. Oh, I hate when you go out of order. <laughs> Cult and conspiracy. Do we eat them all? Yeah, buddy. There's only four. You you said two. I said two. Okay. Um, I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And for the record, that's the order I say them in. True crime, cult, conspiracy, encrypted. That's what I said. I no, said you, cult. No, you said conspiracy. No, I didn't. Yes. Run the tape back. <laughs> yes, you did. No way. Yeah, at the end of this, we're going to play it out loud. <laughs> you're going to see. And I will not be issuing a public <laughs> apology because I swear to God, I said cult. No. <laughs> well, it's a true crime, cult, encrypted, and conspiracy podcast in case we didn't get all four. Um... Yeah, we already said our names, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you have anything you need to share? No. I think it's like by the time this will come out, it's State Fair time. <gasps> That's right. And I'm a big Minnesota State Fair gal. And I've never been on purpose. It's so fun. Because I hate crowds. And I get pissed off at people way too easy. And there's a lot of good beer out this year, so I'm pretty Ooh. excited about that. And I don't drink, really, so... That's a good point. That has zero appeal for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But that also means end of summer. Yes. That is sad. Yeah. So. Crazy time flies. Because I think this... Will this be... It'll be one of the last episodes in August, this one. Yeah. Because we're recording early. Yeah. Because... This coming weeks is already done. You just recorded the following week. And then, so this, we're doing this three weeks early. Whew. Crazy. That is crazy. Um, I'll, I'll be coaching again at this, when this comes out. I'll be doing the same thing I've always been doing. <laughs> okay. Not coaching. Not coaching. <laughs> um, You're telling the story today? Yes. And... I don't have anything else to say, so. Okay. We're going to wrap it up there. <laughs> so, um, this was a kind of a listener suggestion. Um, I was going through my, my screenshots and, like, my photos on my phone, and I found a screenshot, and it was something that I would sent to you that had been sent to me or sent somewhere, like... I'd like copied this person's messages and then send it to you and been like, oh, here's a story. If you, you know, if you're interested in looking into it, I can also do it, whatever. And so it didn't have their name attached to it. And so I like went through my list of like messages on Facebook and like clicked on names that I didn't recognize and I couldn't find it. So I have no idea who sent this in. Um, but they suggested that I do the story of Danny Craft. Um, but once I like really started looking into it, it was like, oh no, this is not a story about Danny Craft. So, um, it is the Avery family murders. Have you ever? Mm, Maybe. Okay. So, um, our story starts with a man named Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lundgren. He was born in Missouri and grew up as a member of the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the 
RLDS. So, if you hadn't guessed, offshoot of the Mormon Church. So, what I'm learning from this, full offense in this statement, if you're gonna join an offshoot of the Mormon Church, don't, because it seems like they're all cults. Some would also argue, one of our neighbors who was Mormon, who grew up Mormon, would also argue that the Mormon Church itself is a cult. So, just putting that out there. Um, so, I do call it the RLDS Church, but it is now known as the Community of Christ. Um, the RLDS Church believed that it was the true connection to Joseph Smith's version for the Mormon Church. They believe that Joseph Smith's oldest son, Joseph Smith III, should have been the leader of the Mormon church after Joseph Smith's death rather than Brigham Young, who took over after Joseph Smith died. Um, Brigham Young is the one that moved the Mormon church out to Utah. Okay. So, um, while the LDS, which is mainstream Mormon church, went out to Utah with Brigham Young, the RLDS stayed in Missouri with Joseph Smith III. Um, the... Uh oh, the RLDS. I have the RDLS. So if I say it wrong, I'm really sorry. Um, does not believe in multiple marriages like the FLDS. Um, but they, like I said, they are also like the FLDS, an offshoot of Latter Day Saints. And FLDS is the Warren Warren Jeffs. Jeffs. Yes, just for everyone. Yep. yep. Thank you. Yeah. The talk sweet pray and obey guy yes the one that you did um a podcast episode on it is called warren Warren jeff's Jeff's a bad bad dude dude. yeah (laughs) and that is very accurate he is a piece of shit um okay so jeffrey met a woman named alice keeler while in college at central missouri state university where they lived in a house that was built specially for the RLDS college students and as I was like writing this I was like wow that's really culty and then I realized that I lived in a house that was for Lutheran students true (laughs) and then I went "Ooh, is that kind of culty of me to have done no (laughs) but it just kind of made me laugh because I was like totally judging and then I was like oh wait (laughs) it's like a frat I literally did the same sorority (laughs) I just thought it was really funny Um, Okay, so Jeffrey and Alice got married in 1970 and had their first son in December of the same year. That year, Jeffrey also enlisted in the U.S. Navy. His second son was born in 1974, just after Jeffrey was honorably discharged from the Navy. Um, So they served like four-year chunks, and he just decided like, no, thank you, I'm done. Um, his family had been living in San Diego and they moved back to the Midwest where in 1979, he and Alice had their third child, a daughter, and then they had another son in 1980. Um, during this time, Jeffrey was working, um, and working is like a really loose term because I don't know if he was being given a paycheck for this. Um, but he was working uh, 
for the RLDS church as a lay minister. I don't know what a lay minister is. That's just what it was called. Um, So then um, he and his family were once again living in a home owned by the RLDS church. It was right next door to the Kirtland Temple. And part of his duties were giving tours of the Kirtland Temple and the area around it. So, like, I don't know if you or I can go in the Kirtland Temple. So, I don't know if he's giving tours to everybody or just, like, certain people or if he's even giving tours of the actual building. I don't really know. Um, so, that's what he was doing, though. And he also began to... um teach a concept called dividing the word which is also known as caustic interpretation or shasmus to interpret the scriptures he claims to have invented this method which is not true so basically when i like looked into this the method is that everything created by god um okay hold on This method is that in everything created by God, the right side is a mirror image. So the scriptures should be read the same way, which is like, I know, confusing. So um, the best way I have to explain it is um, if you were to take a sentence in the scripture, you also have to look at the sentence on either side. So if the sentences on either side of your sentence that you're looking at say the same thing, then the middle sentence is the truth. Okay. (laughs) If they don't say the same thing, then the middle sentence is a lie. Makes a lot of sense. So the example that I came up with is we do this podcast. Sirius is a good boy. And um, Danielle and Emily are doing this podcast so since both the sentence we do this podcast and danielle and emily are doing this podcast say the same thing serious as a good boy good boy (laughs) he's looking at me he's like what um okay so does that kind of make sense yeah like it's just like a really weird sounds like a lot of brain work yeah yeah there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to make sure that because then it got me to thinking like okay well if you look at one of those side sentences and the two sentences around it are not the truth then does that cancel out the fact that the first middle sentence was not the truth or the truth so just like yeah your face is saying what my brain was doing led you down a rabbit hole it really did um yeah for like a while (laughs) All of a sudden it was like 1.30 and I was like, I have not written any more of this because I'm just, yeah. Um, okay, so on April 23rd, 1988, one of the neighbors of, oh wait, hold on. Shoot, I just skipped a bunch. I'm sorry. Okay, so in 1987, backtrack because I messed up, super sorry. Um, Jeffrey was asked to leave the house that was owned by the RLDS and his job as a tour guide of the Kirtland Temple slash house. Um, And he was asked to leave because he was stealing money. Um, 
Can't do that. One of my sources said it was like $25,000. Whoa. Which is a lot. That's a lot. Um, so Jeffrey and his family then moved to a rented house, farmhouse in the area, um, but they weren't the only ones to move there. Several of Jeffrey's followers also moved into the home, including Kevin Curry, Jeff, or Richard Brand, Greg Winsip, Sharon Blunt, Bluntschilly, Daniel Kraft, and Debbie Olivares. Um, these weren't all of Jeffrey's follow- followers. These were just the ones that were living with him. Um, he had a few others that kept their homes. Um, they were Ronald and Susan Luff, Dennis and Tanya Patrick, Dennis and Cheryl and Dennis and Cheryl Avery. Um, so this is where Jeffrey started practicing Robert Lifton's criteria for mind control. Okay. Sounds like a really good, really good thing to start happening, right? I just don't think that's a thing that can happen. It's like brainwashing. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I take it back. (laughs) Um, so one of the things that he told his followers that they weren't supposed to do was to talk amongst themselves. Um, he said it was a sin and he called it murmuring. So you can talk to each other? Yeah. So like if you and I were living in the house, we could not talk to each other. Sounds lonely. Right? This um, guy must have been really insecure. I mean, apparently. Like what did he think? They were talking about him? I don't know, but he, it also said that he would like, um eavesdrop on them and i don't know if like it was out in public or if it was like in the house because they're not supposed to be talking to each other so like um but he would eavesdrop on the followers so that they believed that he could read their minds oh yeah okay (laughs) okay so now we're in april on uh april 23rd of 1988 one of the neighbors of the farmhouse that jeffrey and his followers were living in told Kirtland police that he thought there was a cult living at the farmhouse. He would be correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not wrong. Um, one of Jeffrey's sons warned this neighbor's children that, quote, the earth would open up and demons would emerge on May 15th, end quote. They, they told the, the kids that? Yeah, the kids told the kids that. Oh. Jeffrey's kids told this neighbor's kids. That's a, kind of like funny <laughs> just because kids say the darndest things yeah you know? yeah oh yeah I but i also know. like if as a child i would have been fucking terrified <laughs> i would have been like we need to leave earth immediately <laughs> just thinking of our one neighbors if one of them had said that to us just being like i'm sorry what what because like they didn't believe the same way we believed so who says their way is wrong? You know, especially as a kid, you don't know any better. You don't know to question it. Um, so five days later, on April 28th, a former cult member was told by the FBI to tell the Kirtland police that Jeffrey and his followers were planning on taking over the Kirtland Temple. Okay. So they were like staging a a coup basically um although chief of uh, police chief uh dennis yarbo 
did not believe the informant. He did have a little chat with Jeffrey in the police station. Um, he told them that people were complaining about all the gunfire they were hearing coming from the farmhouse. I don't know why he didn't just like tell him the truth, but whatever, it seemed to work because Jeffrey went back to the farmhouse the next day and called off the takeover of the temple um, for the next day. He claimed he had spoken to God and was told to call it off. So apparently the police are God now. Cool, cool, cool. On October 10th, there was a thunderstorm that resulted in a rainbow over the south part of Kirkland, and this also happened to be the day that Jeffrey was excommunicated from the RLDS church. But don't worry, Em. Okay, but how crazy do you have to be to get excommunicated from a... From an offshoot of the Mormon Mormon church. church? Pretty fucking. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Um, But don't worry. Don't worry. Jeffrey uh, told his followers that uh, the rainbow was a sign of the opening of the seven seals. What are the seven seals, Danielle? No fucking clue, Emily. Um, There's always seven or... Well, seven is considered a holy number. Oh, that one makes sense. And that's why 666 is considered the number of the devil. Why not just six? I don't know. Because... There's three God. There's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So you got to have one for each, apparently. I don't know. Okay. That's my guess. Sure. If anybody knows, please let us know because yeah. that sounds interesting. Um. Okay. So seven seals are open. Jeffrey started teaching the Bible how he believed it should be taught, Um. which, as you can guess, was probably not great. Um. And his little splinter group was around 20 people big, but it never grew over 20 people, which you might be like, oh, thank God. But no, still not great. The group believed that God communicated through revelations, which they would sometimes fake. So they'd be like, oh, my God, I had a revelation that Jesus said we should eat macaroni and cheese for dinner. Ooh, Emily's in. (laughs) But like. That obviously wouldn't be true. Like, they would just, like, say they had a revelation and would say whatever the hell they wanted. Okay. Um, And then they were mostly conservative former RLDS members who believed that women should have even fewer rights than they do in the RLDS church. So awesome for anybody with ovaries. Because you can bet your ass they didn't have any trans members. So. What wasn't this? Okay. Yeah. Jeffrey um, opened a Bible or offered a Bible study class. And basically it was just him preaching to the group. And if anybody disagreed with him, he would intimidate them and later encouraged his supporters to intimidate them as well. So sounds like a really welcoming and fun place to be. He then told his followers that their group needed some money uh so they gave him money sometimes their entire life savings he also told their followers that they needed to move back to be buying the being by the temple um because god had told him that the second coming of christ was going to happen on may 3rd at the kirtland temple now i don't know if you remember but the last temple takeover 
was supposed to be May 3rd. That just happens to be Jeffrey's birthday. Okay. So, coincidence? I think not. Um, their plan was to take the Kirtland Temple by force, breaking into homes around the temple and killing anybody who got in their way. Jeffrey was calling the land around the temple, quote, the vineyards, end quote, and said it needed to be cleansed before he and his followers could take the temple. I'm assuming by cleansed they mean annihilate anybody who lived there, but I don't know that for a fact. That's just what it feels like to me. So at this point, Jeffrey has 12 followers. Um, Seven of them are living in the farmhouse with Jeffrey's family. The five followers that did not live in the house were the Avery family. Oh. Yeah. This really pissed Jeffrey off, and he believed that the Averys were committing a sin by not moving into the farmhouse. Well, all right. So, yeah. Um, Because of this alleged sin... Um, Jeffrey started to use Dennis Avery as a scapegoat, blaming him for everything that was going wrong. He said that Dennis was weak, and even though he's one of Jeffrey's biggest financial contributors, um, Dennis had not given Jeffrey all of the family's money because he wanted to save some for his family, God forbid. Um, But Jeffrey was like, no, I need all the money. Jeffrey sucks. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeffrey does suck. So, um, this is when the plan for taking over the temple suddenly changes and, um, the, the idea of killing anybody who got in the way of them taking over the temple also changed to having to kill a family of five if the members of the cult wanted to see God. So... The Averys were the family that they had to kill um, because they needed to be punished for their, quote, disloyalty, end quote. And um, Jeffrey referred to the slaughter of the Avery family as a, quote, pruning of the vineyard, end quote. Gross. On April 10th. 1989 Jeffrey told his followers to dig a hole in the barn of the farmhouse he was going to bury the family in that hole the group including the Avery's were then told that they were going on a wilderness trip because this was the only way they would survive the um, upcoming end of days so apparently Jeffrey was like really obsessed with this idea of the return of jesus and the end of days and the the rapture and he was like really obsessed with it and so like he believed that in order to save their 12 people they had to move into the wilderness they had to leave society completely so on april 17th uh jeffrey rented a motel room where he called a meeting of almost all of the men all of them except for Dennis. And he questioned to see that if they were all still down with murdering um, the Avery family. And they were. So Jeffrey and another member, Ron Luff, told Dennis that they needed help with some equipment for the upcoming camping trip. 
Once he, Dennis, entered the barn, Ron shot him with a stun gun, but it didn't work. It, like, malfunctioned. It didn't knock him out. Um, Dennis was then gagged and dragged to the place where Jeffrey was waiting by the pit. Oh, God. Jeffrey shot Avery twice in the back, and um, Avery, or, yeah, Dennis. Dennis Avery died quickly. Ron then went and got Dennis's wife, Cheryl, and told her that Dennis needed her help. The men then bound and gagged her and covered her eyes with duct tape and brought her to Jeffrey. She was shot three times, twice in the chest and once in the abdomen. The group then turned to the Avery's children. They shot 15-year-old Trina twice in the head, 13-year-old Becky was shot twice in the back, and 6-year-old Karen was shot in the chest and the head. Um... And then they were all put in the pit and buried. That's fucked. Yeah. Six years old. Like, how... How is anybody okay with that? Like, ugh. I mean, all of them, but really the six-year-old really just gets me. So on... um. April 19th, which was the next day, police came to Jeffrey's farmhouse to talk to him. It wasn't about the murders, but it did cause Jeffrey to become paranoid about being caught. So he and his followers moved to West Virginia. After a few months in West Virginia, Jeffrey and his wife Alice and their three kids moved to California, leaving the rest of Jeffrey's followers in West Virginia. Well, almost all of them. Two of them went with and it was Catherine Johnson and Daniel Kraft went with to California. Um, on January 3rd, 1990, a tip from a former cult member, Larry Keith Johnson, led police to the body, bodies of the Avery family. Um, Larry was angry that Jeffrey had chosen Larry's wife, Catherine, to become his second wife. Oh. So now he very conveniently believes in polyamory. Yeah, I think that's the right word. Okay. Having more than wife. Right. One wife. Um, Larry drew a map of the barn showing police where the Avery family was buried. And Jeffrey and his family became fugitives. Once the police and the FBI found the cult members in West Virginia, they helped catch Jeffrey and his family because obviously they knew where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey, his wife, Alice, his second wife, Catherine, um, and Daniel Kraft and the Lundgren children were found on January 7th, 1990 in a motel near the Mexican border where police also seized an AR-15, three handguns, an assortment of hunting knives and camping and survival gear. Um, Alice, his wife, was the only member who went back to Ohio voluntarily, um, waiving extraction from California to Ohio, and she said she was, quote, relieved that her children were in a safe place, end quote, with her mom. So, like, their oldest son was, like, 19 or something at this point, um, but then they still had, like, three minors. They had, like, a 15-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 10-year-old or something like that, and her mom had come from Missouri to pick up the three younger kids. And so they were with her mom and she was like, okay, I'll turn myself in. Like, I'm fine. It's fine. I'll like not turn myself in. I will consent to be going to being sent back to Ohio, which she's the only one that did that. 
everybody else was like, no, no, I'm not going back. You can't make me. And like they can, but it just is like a longer process. Yeah. Um, and then Alice's lawyer, uh, a woman named Kay Sunday, which is the best name said that Alice was as much a captive as she was a wife, saying that Jeffrey wouldn't let her take the children all together anywhere because he was afraid she would leave, take off. Yep. Um, during his trial, Jeffrey was unrepentant. Are we surprised? No. Nope. Shouldn't be. And told the jury, this is astonishing to me, quote, it's not a figment of my imagination that I can, in fact, talk to god end quote i'd like to know the context behind that <laughs> um the the prosecutor said that they were were like continuously waiting for the insanity plea oh and like he was like no i'm not, no, I'm, crazy. not I'm not crazy i can talk to oh, god interesting yeah he also said quote i am a prophet of god i am even more than a prophet end quote but sir you literally just said that you were a prophet what how are you more than a prophet but you're a prophet um jeffrey was given the death penalty alice received five life life sentences for conspiracy complicity and kidnapping damon their oldest son was given 120 years to life ron the one that like lured people into the barn was given 170 years to life. Daniel Kraft was given 100 or was given 50 years to life. And so far, eight of the cult members have been released from prison. Um, Sharon Blunt, Blunt, Chili. God, her last name is crazy. It's B L U N T S C H L Y. So that's why I'm having such a hard time with the ending because I don't know what the ending sounds like. Sometimes you just gotta spit it out. Yeah. Um, Debbie, Debbie, uh, um, Olivieres, Susan Luff, Richard Brand, and Greg Wins- Winship were released in 2010 and 2011. Catherine Johnson, um, the second wife, Tonya, or Tanya Patrick, no, Tonya Patrick, sorry, and Dennis Patrick were determined to not have been involved in the actual murders, but did get a year in prison for obstruction of justice and jeffrey lundgren was executed on october 24th 2006 in ohio his final words were quote i profess my love for my for god my family for my children for kathy i am because you are end quote no alice nope just the second wife wife kathy ouch yeah um it's also alleged that he um abused alice like Um, after their daughter was born, she ended up in the hospital a couple of times with like really suspicious injuries. Well, it wouldn't Um, surprise me. No, me either. He, I also read that both of them were abused by their respective fathers as children, which while tragic does not make a murderer. So, um, even more of a, not a surprise if he was abusing his wife because as we know, there's the cycle of abuse. So, and again, not always, but there, there is the cycle. So, um, my sources were 
uh, upi.com, Wikipedia, um, about Community of Christ, and then about Jeffrey, and then the LA Times. That's terrible. I don't, I just, I don't get how one person can convince other people to do things like that. Right. It just, like, blows my mind. Um, and they got a lot of years. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you murdered five people, so. Including three children. Right. Yeah. And all because they wouldn't move in with you. Yeah, right. And give you all your money. Right? Like, literally, that's it. Yeah. Which, what a sociopath. That's really sad. It is really sad. And I, I was really surprised because, like, like I said, this person had requested just Danny Craft. Um, their brother was in school with Danny before all of this. Like, they were in high school together. And so this person said, you should look into his because it was kind of crazy. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> accurate. Very crazy. Um. And I just find it so interesting that it's another offshoot of the LDS. I wonder how many there are. That's a really good question. I'm going to, I'll ask my personal source. I don't want to give their name out. Yeah. Who knows if they'll know, but. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'll ask. Mm, Socials. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, MW Madness podcast on Instagram, Midwest Pop and Gmail. Yep. Midwest Madness podcast, the group on Facebook. Yep. And that's it, right? Well, we have a Twitter, but who cares? Right. We say that every week. <laughs> I done last week. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? Um, have a great week. Have a great week. Um, might be a three day weekend coming up. Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye.